Hello, and welcome to the Marketing Experiments Web Clinic Audio Replay Podcast. Marketing Experiments is an internet marketing research laboratory. The web clinic you're about to hear was broadcast live to an international audience of marketing professionals. Sign up to be invited to future web clinics, as well as gain access to all of our online marketing research at marketingexperiments.com. Good afternoon, good morning, wherever you are. Thank you for coming to another Marketing Experiments web clinic. My name is John and I am with Mech Labs, um, also Marketing Experiments. And today we're going to talk about seasonal messaging, specifically how a company's assumptions led to a 25% decrease in click-through. So um, if you're on today's webinar and you haven't been with us before, let me just give you a, a quick couple things first. We're very interactive. We'd like to be interactive. We like to talk back and forth, use Q&A. We've got a couple things that you can use to do that. First thing is Twitter. We're watching Twitter. Um, we, they can actually pull up the screen so I can see your tweets live. And then we have a Q&A function on GoToWebinar. So you could use that function as well just to send your comments, send your questions, anything that uh, you can even try and make me laugh. Um, I, I just wanted you to, I want you guys to know that I'm watching and that I want to be as interactive as possible as we go throughout this clinic. With me today, I have a very special guest. This is Ben. He's a VP of Partner Development and my favorite data scientist. Uh, he's actually going to be adding some value here towards the end of the time today when we do some live optimization. Uh, he's very talented actually in that and in uh, kind of applying his knowledge and I'm looking forward to bringing him up. But let's get to the topic. Let's talk about seasonal messaging. Now, Kind of the, the, the issue that we typically deal with or that I typically encounter when it comes to seasonal messaging really has to do with um, just, just always using it. It's, it's an assumption that I see a lot of marketers just, you know, like we need something for this holiday and we need something for this holiday and we need something for this holiday. And it's not illogical, right? It really isn't. There are some retailers that, well, they live and die by the, the holiday season in December and Thanksgiving, that time period, right? They live and die by those periods, so it's not unusual to kind of have that assumption. But my question is, 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 does it apply to everybody? Does it apply in every situation? If so, great, wonderful, now I know. If not, what can I do? What I'd like to do is look at a case study. If you were tuned in last week or, or the last time that we were on, you might have saw some of the, the uh, pages that we have here. They're actually not pages, they're emails. And this is, uh, now that you can see the screen, a larger financial institution. We've anonymized this particular partner just for their protection. But ultimately, their goal is very similar to a goal that you might have in your email marketing campaign. They were trying to get visitors to click on a particular offer. And there was a holiday nearby, and so they're thinking, hey, why not use this opportunity to take advantage of kind of the seasonality, just like everybody else is doing, and let's see if that can help us get a few more clicks, maybe a few more applications for this particular mortgage or uh, refinance product. Uh, so they decided to run an A-B split test. Let's take a look at the two versions that they had, and then let's explore the results of that. Now here's the first version, uh, the control. This is their original. This is where they were starting from. And if you take a look at the control email, it <clears throat> really is, um, it's not bad. Uh, there's a lot of things that are right about it, right? You've, um, you know, you've got a clear call to action that you can see. You've got a headline. Um, you've got bullets. Um, it's very easy to scan and kind of get a sense of. I can look at this email and probably within five to ten seconds get a sense of, of where I'm at and what can, I, you know, what can I do and why should I do it, even in this setting. 
So there, it's, it's really not bad at all, right? But is it the best that it could be? Could it be better? Well, the team had a hypothesis. They said, what would happen if we did, decided to integrate like holiday messaging? So <clears throat> it was Halloween, so naturally the, the, the first choice was Halloween. So take a look at the treatment. Take a look on the left there. Now I'm actually looking at the screen like you are, and I'm just kind <clears> of <throat> scrolling down. And if you could see at the top, uh, they decided to, to integrate it not just with that little image, all treat and no trick, wickedly low mortgage rates. They decided to put it in the headline, nothing scary about these low rates, right? And uh, of course, um, it's wickedly low mortgage rates in the bullet points, um, no points or ghostly hidden fees, right? Um, I think they're just trying to be funny, right? And, and let's, 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 let's give them the benefit of the doubt for a minute. How many people believe that humor is the way to better engagement? There are a lot of people out there. There are a lot of commercials out there that are kind of built on this hypothesis. So in a sense, they're just kind of riding along that wave. Well, uh, let me ask you guys. Do you think it worked? Did it work to their advantage? Did it actually help? Yes or no? Uh, I can actually see your Q&A. I got a couple no's. Perhaps not for the financial, says, uh, I think it's, uh, is that Aline? Hopefully I didn't butcher your name. Jan says yes. Melissa says no. Michael's no. Um, let's, hey, wait a minute, Elaine. You changing your answer. You can't do that. Um, all right. Sand is saying finance is serious. Uh, Paul's saying no. Uh, Paige is uh, saying no. Uh, we've got a, well, Robbie. I, okay. You got a yes from Robbie. So, uh, you know, I've got an audience in here too. What do you guys think? Yes or no? Uh, you, well, you guys know the answer, so I can't ask you. Guys, let's take a look at the results and see what actually happened. Well, the no's have it today. Uh, a no by about 25%. Uh, significant decrease in click-through. Uh, there is a, the level of confidence is fairly high, only a 1% chance uh, that it was due to random chance. So very acceptable uh, in those terms, in the data terms, which leads me to a more interesting question, why? Why do you guys think the seasonal treatment blew it by about 25%? And, you know, sometimes I would think, well, it, it couldn't hurt, right? The logic is, well, it couldn't hurt to put this messaging in, and, and it's, gonna, it's kind of fun, and we could use a little humor, right? Get a little bit of engagement. But in this case, it actually hurt. So why? Why did it actually hurt and not, as opposed to not make a difference or win? Let's, let's see some of your comments. Seems like uh, it's uh, trivializing a serious topic. That's a pretty good comment. Wrong product, says Melissa. Uh, not congruent with financial. Thanks, Paul. That makes sense, too. Any other thoughts? I'm watching the screen. Uh, here we go. Laura says it's all about them being cute rather than benefit to the viewer, right? Uh, Dave <laughs> says it was too scary. Thanks, Dave. Dave's a regular. Uh, welcome back, Dave. It's good to have you. All right. Um, very, uh, actually some very good comments, some, some very good comments, right? Well, let me, let me again return to the, to the idea that we're trying to, or to the question that we're trying to address. Is there anybody kind of on this webinar that's, that's seen the, the email heuristic that we've published and that we've spoken about? Is there anybody that it's EME equals RV, uh, uh, you know, parenthesis OF plus I, has anybody seen that heuristic? Is there anybody? Mark has seen it. Yes, Libby, Melissa, yes. 
Lynn, it, it might be possible that I have, you know, you may have seen me teach it at different conferences. You may have seen it in, in different marketing tools. And there's one part of that formula, it's the RV at the beginning. It's one of the most important parts, and it's called relevance. Now, I've taught before that sometimes you could achieve relevance simply by referencing a holiday or referencing some kind of a seasonal thing because part of something that's relevant is something that's current, like current events, current, you know, different things that are impacting their lives. And we've seen seasonality have a major effect on tests. So why in the world is, can't I just reference the holiday in this case and it helped me? What is the real kind of foundational element beneath that? So this is really a session about relevance, right? About how to actually activate that critical ingredient in the email formula, right? And that's what I really want to spend the time on today. We have an assumption, and it's, it's not illogical. We have an assumption that, that this seasonality can help us, and I've seen it, guys. I've really seen seasonality make a great difference, even in the messaging. But how was it done so that it ensured an enhancement to the message and not kind of a, a detriment, not a kind of a taking away? How? How did we do that? That is what I want to explore today. That's what we want to spend the next uh, however many minutes that we have on our time to get, uh, today. We've got 30 minutes to kind of answer that question. Then we're going to go into some live op. And even more so, I think these, these principles that we're going to talk about, talk about today can apply to other one-time campaigns that you're running. So let's go into the first principle, everyone. And here it is. <clears throat> when it comes to seasonal messaging, it's not about just having it there. It really needs to be relevant to the product. Very good audience for hitting on that. But even more so, there's something even more fundamental. It's got to enhance your core value proposition, right? It's got to actually add something to it. It's got to kind of uh, magnify it or amplify it in a way, right? It's almost kind of like demonstrate it, right? Uh, otherwise, it's just unnecessary. It's like friction, right? Um, for those of you that are familiar with the formula, remember the F in the formula? I talk about the key to that being the word unnecessary, unnecessary length and difficulty. Clearly, if your messaging, especially your seasonal messaging, is not necessary to clarifying or magnifying the force of the value proposition, then it's just friction. It's just friction. And uh, the best, a way I like to think of it is this. Uh, we talk about enhancing value proposition. I, um, I once asked my wife, um, you know, it was, we just had a random conversation one day. It was like in the last nine months. I was like, so, so what is it, so why is it that you hang around? And, you know, we've been married for about, I don't know, eight years or so. I was like, well, why is it that you still hang around despite all the trouble that I give you? And then she just kind of paused, sat and thought about it. And she said, well, you clean the toilets. And I'm thinking, that's great. That's my value proposition. But I kind of want to have something stronger than that. Right? So I'm constantly looking for ways to increase my perceived value with thirst so I don't, you know, lose some appeal and, and you, know, how, you know, where that's going, right? Just because you're married doesn't mean that you actually are guaranteed to be married, right? So when it comes to events like uh, Christmas, you know, it, it's, it's really an important question. What are, you know, what's just more likely to enhance my core value proposition? Dressing up in like a Santa outfit? Not bad. Or something like this. Uh, Paul says yes. Paul, <laughs> I don't know about yeah. That's that's uh, that's great. Oh no, he's probably actually referring to something else. But 
Let me give you some context. What you're seeing on the right of your screen, that picture, is actually a separate tree in my house. I've got like five trees in my house. But there's one tree that I make in the morning for her, which has all of her presents put together in some interesting presentation every year. And what I discovered is that she likes these presentations so much that if I don't have a presentation every holiday for her, then I actually lose points, right? It's, it's almost something, I've discovered it's part of my value proposition. So Christmas is an excuse for me to demonstrate that ability to put those things together, right? Easter is an excuse for me to demonstrate that, right? Her birthday is an excuse for me to demonstrate that. All of those could be attributed to some form of seasonality in my life. So we've got to think about what we're doing. Are we simply trying to just dress up for the occasion, putting on a Santa suit, or are we actually trying to magnify something that we're already good at or something that, that people value through the season or through the holiday? So here's a couple of great examples uh, that Ken put together for the deck. Um, declare your independence from glasses and contacts. I think they're just putting on the Santa suit there. I, I've never known anybody to be that serious about getting rid of their contacts and glasses. It, and honestly, it's just distracting. Can anybody figure out what that ad on the right is about? It's an ad from Old Spice. Let's see how long it takes to figure out. I'm watching the Q&A. What are they really trying to say? What are they trying to, what are they trying to do? Thank you, Dave. I, I, yeah, I have been working out. It's, it's been great. It really works. So uh, guys, I'm, I'm watching, Let's, I want you guys to tell me what this ad on the right is. That, is that a basketball? Is he carving a basketball? Seriously, I'm waiting. I'm, we've got time. I'm just looking at the watch here. I'll give you another 10 seconds. Anything? <laughs> Still have? Okay, Paige about being manly and Dave said worst ad ever. Leon said no clue at all. Thank you. That's exactly what, <laughs> thank you, Michelle, not bad, okay? Um, that's exactly, I think, the kind of reaction that most consumers are going to have. They, they don't really have much more than a few seconds of their time. We've got to be better than that. We can't just dress up for occasion. We actually have to do something. Now, take a look at these ads. Another couple ads picked out by Ken. I think they're great choices. Why? Does anybody know what the PSL is? PSL? You guys got to know what the PSL is, PSL craze. Um, my wife claims to have invented the acronym before everybody else was using it, right? Well, yeah, pumpkin spice latte, thank you. All you have to do is, is like show it. And it's something that they only sell during the fall months. I, I don't know if you can get away with it at Starbucks like in the spring, but, but that's something where they enhance, again, they use the season as an excuse to kind of say, look what we can do. And it helps the customer, even for the Reese's. You know, some people just, it, it's, it's the eggs, it's the memories that come with it. They're like, oh, it's the eggs, even though it's the same buttercup, right? We fall for it. Um, it's a way to demonstrate, right? It's not just a simple dressing up, like just making our messaging look more festive. Now let's take a look at the case study, right? The control already had something going on with it, right? They already had something going well for it. And while it could be improved, especially that call to action, uh, all we did was just kind of muck it up, I guess. With addition, Look at all the additional stuff that we added. All of that stuff is in addition to the regular messaging, right? So if it's not necessary to the customer, it's friction. How do you know if it's necessary or not? Ask yourself a question. Does it increase the appeal? the exclusivity or credibility of the message?
It doesn't. It doesn't connect, as you guys have said, and there's no meaningful connection. Even if they tried to make a meaningful connection, it wasn't there. So this is one of those great cases where seasonality doesn't work. It, you can't just add address to something and it works. Here's a great example of how not to do that. This is a computer retailer. We've significantly anonymized this to protect the partner, but it was a, it's a very classic example. Here's a group that wanted to take advantage of a holiday. We're using July 4 as an example in the anonymization, but it wasn't July 4. It was a very significant time for retailers. Every year during this time, people make a ton of money in e-commerce, especially in this vertical. We had to adjust it a little bit. Okay, here's the control and here's the treatment. They had a design team that had this idea that if we dress up the treatment, just kind of make the treatment like have more of a, a is, I think the, was it lifestyle messaging? I think that was the, the logic. Lifestyle messaging, like lifestyle messaging is the way to go. We're gonna use this event as a way to kind of demonstrate our lifestyle messaging. What was the result? A 52% decrease in conversion, not clicks, but actual purchases. It was really bad. Just because they wanted to try and integrate lifestyle messaging. The hypothesis after when we looked, you know, we took a look at this, again, it, it didn't make, it wasn't illogical at the time, right? Because lifestyle messaging was kind of one of those things that's in. But <clears throat> now that we look back at it, we realize that all of that stuff was unnecessary. It was actually getting in the way and making it more difficult for customers, right? Whereas the original way was actually doing a more effective job. Now, John, you've been telling me about all bad examples. Can you give me at least one example where it was done right? Sure. Here's one. Um, this is from a, a city that you guys will all know. Um, and if you've been there, you probably love it. I love the city. Um, they have a very specific kind of culture there. And they draw people every year, um, you know, hundreds and thousands to the city to experience the culture. They have a, a significant event in the spring months. They have kind of a, a, a goal where they're trying to get more people to kind of chime into their email list and to engage so they can actually get them to travel. And so one guy thought, hey, listen, incentives work. Let's do an incentive. Book now, save up to 30% on a hotel this December in our city. But somebody had a thought. They said, is, it, is the incentive the best thing that we could do, especially for this time? What is specific to this city that that is almost kind of, that's just awesome in its own right in this time of year, that could potentially be more of an appeal factor than just 30%. So they tried this. Holiday shopping, they had a, a specific kind of dinner. I can, we, we anonymized it, I can't say it. But it's a very specific name, like almost kind of made you wonder what it was. Concerts and more of these traditions. What was the result? 9% increase in opens, but a 26% increase in clicks. All statistically significant. Interesting, right? So they didn't just say, hey, here's an incentive, but they actually looked for something that they were already doing that was, that was very well demonstrated kind of in that season and then brought it to life. It's almost kind of like looking for a talent that you have, right? And then finding a time when you really do it well. That's kind of the, the key here. So all of this leads me to a second principle, which is kind of a, a step back of everything, which is this. If you're going to guard against these one-time campaign disasters, for all of you who that follow us regularly, Dave, you know this, you can't leave any assumption untested, really. As marketers, we can't blindly rely on best practices. 
You know, I once dated a girl that was allergic to flowers. How do you think I found out, right? But she wasn't allergic to jewelry, so I mean, that worked out pretty well. But you see, things like that can really hurt, right? You've got you've to do your research. You've got to take the time, get to know your audience, right? Get to understand them. So, for example, many people assume that responsive design will always increase mobile click-through. Well, if you were at Exact Target Connections, you might have saw this case study. Our team here decided to put that theory to the test. And they say, hey, let's do a responsive design email newsletter, right? Why not? You know, it's easier to read significantly. It's the same exact content, just a little bit longer page. All they have to do is kind of flick up and down. And what were the results? 54% increase for the unresponsive side. Does that mean that responsive design is bad? Absolutely not. It just means that we need to choose better articles. What we found is that the read rate increased by 30% on the responsive version and people were simply clicking more because um, they actually couldn't figure out what the article was about. So um, again, don't just implement it. You can't just assume that it's going to work, right? Others have chimed in on the same thing. There's another one, upfront cost scare off prospects. Hey, you can't show the cost, right? Um, sex offender registry uh, offered a product and the control, $6 a month. Full access and the treatment, there's a $20 activation fee. So watch out, right? The good news is that the treatment increased revenue by about 99% without hurting or changing conversions. So they were actually making more money doing this just by letting people know ahead of time. They didn't actually feel like a bait and switch. Pretty cool, right? Again, putting assumptions to the test. Another one, the call to action should always be placed above the fold. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. For those of you who've been following us for some time, you're familiar with this experiment. It was challenged, about the same number of form fields. It completely changed the page. They decided not to ask for an action until after we thought that there was enough information presented and the result was 220%. Pretty good, right? Again, challenge those assumptions. Finally, we should leverage our unique brand design whenever possible. I love this test. If you were here just a couple of clinics ago, was this last clinic? This was last clinic. So if you're here last clinic, you, you know this, right? Take a look. That similar organization, remember, trying to draw people into the city? They decided to use this uh, crazy cool font. That's pretty cool. On their pages because it would kind of, in, you know, it would be congruent, right, with their brand image. The result was a lack of clarity and difficult reading, which well, gave the control a leg up, a significant leg up in performance, right? So we've got a whole clinic that talks about that in particular. Check it out. Um, I think it's on YouTube or SlideShare. Uh, but ultimately, test those assumptions. Don't assume that it's going to work. Set yourself up so that if you do want to test something out, it doesn't completely hurt you, okay? And there are a lot of testing softwares out there that are really cheap, they're easy to install that you can use to mitigate your risk and also help you learn about the customer. So how would I wrap this up? When it comes to seasonality, this is again, this is kind of an additional side lesson to the, the relevance in the equation. It's this. Ask yourself a couple questions. Is it relevant to my product? Does it spotlight rather than distract from the actual product? Is it like kind of a great environment to demonstrate it? Is my seasonal messaging careful not to detract from the clarity? So we're talking about unnecessary difficulty or length. And then finally, does the inclusion of seasonality make my product more attractive? 
All we're doing is we're simply asking, is this environment going to increase my odds of having a more powerful value proposition? That's it. It's not enough to dress for the occasion. You got to demonstrate it, right? And if you can't demonstrate it during the occasion, you're just creating noise. So without further ado, um, if you guys have, uh, real quick, I'd like to pause, ask you if you have any questions, and then we're going to go to live optimization. Is there any questions you guys have about the content? Otherwise, let's start looking at pages. So audience, I'm watching the screen. I'll give you about five seconds. Are there any questions so far? So I guess everybody gets it. So now we've got 10 minutes left. Ben, come on up. This is Ben Phillip again, data scientist extraordinaire and VP of, uh, what is it again? Partner Solutions? Partner Development. Partner Development. Yeah. Okay. Uh, before we get to that, uh, if you guys are interested, we've got a quarterly research digest. It's all free. Um, you can find the download there. And if, um, you know, you can do a little screen capture right now. Otherwise, we'll also send you an email to you uh, with this link if you'd like. Let's go into some live optimization. Now, Ben, I kind of shifted around a little bit, you know, so well, keep you on your toes. Okay. But uh, let's start with this. This is uh, the National Parks and Recreation, not to be confused with the show, right? There's like <laughs> a, right? Um, this is an actual magazine. There's a couple, I think they've got their own site and then they've got a magazine. This is a site for the magazine. It looks like their goal, their primary audience is park visitors, potential park visitors, and they're trying to generate signups, I think, for the magazine and then raise awareness of, of the efforts and, and the things that they're doing for the national parks. So uh, here's what I'm going to do. Um, audience, I want you to think of a couple things. Ben, I'm going to ask you two questions. First, what is one thing that they're doing right? And if there's nothing, oh, you can say it. And then second, what's the first thing that you would adjust? <clears throat> yeah, so the one thing I think that they are doing uh, right is they have a very nice section on the features and that you can actually see some of the features that are, uh, are in this particular magazine. So it gives a lot of value as to the kind of content you're going to get with the magazine. So they can kind of immediately get a sense of the content, right? right. So what would we do different? What, what's just real quick, off, just by, you know, guys, this is live optimization. You're just looking at it right now. Yeah, the what's one, one thing, thing? The one thing that I, I did not see is the authority that they're bringing to. You know, there's nothing about how long the magazine's been there. Um, it's, I guess, excuse me, it's not that it's not there, it's just at the very top, like right. 50 years. And so I think there's a lot of great value that they've kind of minimized and replaced with images that don't really add value. Um, they don't really speak to the audience and who's supposed to be there. Right. So it's hard to figure out who, you know, is this somebody who uses parks or somebody who runs a park right. that should be reading this magazine. So bringing that value copy more into the fold and emphasizing it, I would say, would add a lot to that. So, you, we could <clears throat> so what you're saying is we can almost add just a headline or, and maybe some kind of an intro that says, "This is who we are. This is what. This is why you should. This is why you should. This is why we're, we should be buddies. Yep. Because we value the same thing. Or we, you know, this is our value proposition. This is what we focus on. To kind of give them a sense of the kind of authority behind the content and the passion behind it. Right. right. Kind of a way to start it off. I really like that. Audience, let me see it from you. I got a couple suggestions already. Um, Patrick, seeing live help offline. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me feel sad. Yes, uh, it is a bit of a letdown. Uh, Joey, thanks for that. Um, Tim, two images compete with each other. Yes, that's a good point. Dave, that 50 years copy I totally missed. Almost blends in. That's exactly what Ben was talking about. I don't know if you guys can notice this, but I want you to take a look at the content in the, in the 
kind of the, the, the featured section, the content right below it, and then the content in the middle. Look at it for just a second. It's the same. Mm -hmm. They're the same exact articles. So we're asking a customer's eyes to distinguish between three different sections that are all the same thing but don't appear to be the same thing. That is a flag for unnecessary difficulty yes, as well as length. So it may be possible that you could get rid of two out of those three things. Mm -hmm. You can get rid of the kind of the featured area and replace it with what Ben's talking about. You can get rid of that little sidebar and then have people scroll. Again, that, there's a lot of opportunity there to reduce friction, to kind of get somebody engaged right away with a new headline, kind of a new introduction. You know, it's not bad to have the, the Parks and Recreation um, magazine image. In fact, it gives it a little bit of authority and it also helps people know where they're at. Okay, so think about where to place that. Is that the most appropriate place? I also like the idea that you've got popular articles, but I have to search for it. So how can we bring that up? You could, you know, because right now the articles that you feature are the current issue, but I have no way of knowing that. Right. When I click on current issue, I bet it's going to show the same thing. So there's some things that you're doing right. There's some potential here, but what I would recommend is what Ben's recommending is really kind of getting rid of the things that are unnecessary and really kind of bringing focus to the things that really help you out, like that statement up top, you know, the popular articles that are kind of buried down, maybe even the search function, maybe there's something that they want to search about. But let's, I would recommend that you guys start there and see how, where it takes you in, in terms of engagement. And also the photos, that was a really good point, Ben. Um, I, don't, I hope those aren't stock photos. I, I recently saw Experiment, it wasn't on our site, but um, you know, uh, one of the people that have, that have been at some of our events and stuff, a uh, software company, where they, they tested stock photos against real photos and did find a significant difference. Just yeah. because people can tell whether it's authentic or credible. So just but, a warning against that. It's really hard to find a stock image that resonates directly to your product, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. totally. I mean, There's actually a site out there that can search all of Google to see if that image has been used. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but if you want it, just let us know. We'll, we'll send it to you. You can Google search for that site, actually. Oh, yeah. there you go. See, there. You guys don't even have to wait for it. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> guys, you ready for another? Let's go to another. <clears throat> Far and Wide Collection. I've seen this brand before. Welcome back, guys. Um, and this looks like, I think we've seen some emails from them, but this is, looks like the homepage. So uh, same thing again. Audience, before we let Ben loose on it, Again, give me what's the top thing that you would change on this particular site, but give me a reason why. Don't just say, I hate this, it, it stinks. Give me a reason. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait for you guys. I'm watching the q and I'm waiting. Get a couple more minutes, just a couple more seconds. Then I'm going to unleash Ben. Ben's actually looking at it now, and he's going to give me that same answer to that. All right, Ben, here's what we're going to do. Give me an answer to that question. What's the first thing that you would change based on either what we've shown or based on what we've kind of learned up to date? Is there anything that you would adjust on this page? Yeah, so the headline for me, um, off to the side there, I guess it's not even really a headline, the artisan made summer accessories. And the image are confusing. I couldn't tell what was the accessory they were trying to show. Is it the pillow? Is it the blanket? Right. Is it the bed? Um, <clears throat> if I was really into that pillow and then I couldn't right. find the pillow on the site, you know, that would just be unnecessary friction and I have to search for that. Um, also, I think that there's, in general, a lack of value proposition about far and wide. Actually, when you go in and start reading about them and how they come across their goods, it's actually really a cool 
um, idea that they have. So I would definitely emphasize the fact that they're supporting kind of local uh, people who are making artisan crafts all around the world. Right. So they could maybe do that in just a simple <coughs> headline that's yeah. readable. Um, far and wide, I'd, I'd recommend in the audience, uh, Libby, uh, again, header photo doesn't add value. No headline match to the photo, says Michael. Those are just spot on to what Ben is saying. Uh, I would say pay attention to that case study that we featured in the last clinic. It looks like you're a type. Um, it could be contributing to some problems, right? You're going to have some high motiva highly motivated people working throughout the site, but if you want those people that are not as motivated, you might be losing them. Yeah. So a readable headline with something that Ben's talking about, I think would really kind of enhance the click rate on this. Um, and again, just, the, just even that whole ad area. And it, ads aren't unusual like that. It's just help me understand what, the, what is it that you're trying to feature. Is it a collection? It looks like it might be a collection. I mean, I need a little bit more clarity, right? So that's really what's, what's suffering here. The one thing that I really like is that you guys do just take an opportunity right away to get people to subscribe. Um, and you do have some text. There are a couple of things that you could do even to maximize the potential of that. Right? So it's not just subscribe to our newsletter, it's maybe get the latest stuff that we're doing or, right. or whatnot. Not using the word submit, but you know, you know, send me updates, uh, get me on the list, or something that's even value neutral and not value negative. You could also emphasize that button a lot more to, to really bring it and make it pop out. Right. <clears throat> and then just to tie it back to this web link too, you know, there is a seasonality kind of approach here with the summer accessories. It'd be really interesting to test whether or not that is helping or hurting. Right, what if I don't want summer accessories? What if I saw something three months ago in the spring and I want to buy it now? You know what I mean? Just right, so <clears> well, how, much, yeah, how much space should you devote to that? That's, yeah. that's, see, there's an assumption that's related to seasonality that's really important. Because, um, again, we think, oh, it's summer, you know, and like the assumption that a lot of retailers have here in Florida that we're all ready for fall right now, apparently, yeah. and it's July, and fall doesn't happen here, <laughs> right? Like, it's, it's the same thing. Like, what's the appropriate time and how much focus do you give it? How easy do you make it for them to find something that they have been looking at? Like, so there's a question that you might want to test. And again, with some simple tools, you might be able to actually test that, just the amount of space that you're giving each section. Yeah. Right? Now, <clears throat> it'd be really cool if there were some sort of you know, sale or something on summer accessories. Yes. Then I would see how that summer accessories is adding value to, to the message and the offer they're trying to bring to the people on the homepage. So. Right. And even initially, I didn't even, I completely missed the word summer. I, I, I was too busy staring at the pillow, you know. It looks very comfortable. So, again, if you're looking for an opportunity to highlight seasonality, you lost me a little bit. But there are some things that you can do to fix that, right? Yep. Some great ideas. Are we running out of time, guys? One minute? So, I'd love to go over another page, but let me give you a teaser for the next clinic. And the next clinic isn't just one of us uh, researchers. We're actually going to have a special guest. Um, guy named Tim, really awesome, really smart too. He's got an amazing system that he showed me, but he's actually going to share one of his case studies, and I'm actually really excited to see the result of this. Um, this case study is uh, from the Heritage Foundation. They're a nonprofit. You may be familiar with them. Uh, every December, they send an, out an email to members asking for donations, and so he decided to test this. Uh, the, the normal way that they've been doing it was they would send an email from the president. He's the most well-known leader of the nonprofit, asked for support with the year and gift, and this is kind of a standard. They're used to it, right? And, uh, you know, it, it leverages continuity. Again, they're used to seeing his name. He's well-known. There's a lot of reasons to stay with this email, a lot of good reasons to stay with it. 
And the tone kind of matches. I mean, this is a political organization, kind of was a political think tank. They're really, you know, they've got values and, and it seems kind of aligned. But somebody decided, I think it was Tim and his team, I'm assuming, they decided they had a question. They said, what would happen if we adjusted this? What if we made it to somebody lesser known, like a director of membership? And we, you know, what if we broke the continuity with that by focusing on that person? Then finally, what if we used a softer, more informal tone? Would that have any effect? Well, thank you, Dave. <laughs> that was a great, great, great <laughs> comment there. That's, yeah, I don't know, only Dave and us can see that. But the, it leaves the question, which treatment won? Find out next time. Join us along with Tim. Guys, listen, you, you definitely want to see Tim. Great guy, some great case studies. This isn't his only one. Um, and I think you're going to learn something great from this clinic. So uh, without further ado, thank you so much for joining us. If you have any questions, please let us know. And if you found this clinic valuable, please let us know. So, or if you uh, have any adjustments, we'd like to hear about those too. Otherwise, thank you so much. And we look forward to seeing you on this next one on August 12th. Thank you for listening to this recording of a Marketing Experiments live web clinic. You can sign up to receive invites to future live web clinics, as well as receive access to $10 million worth of internet marketing research at marketingexperiments.com. Mm-hmm.